0: This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless, available online at
1: bravadowireless.com. Our Oklahoma insider, Ryan Aber from the Daily Oklahoma. How you doing, buddy?
0: Doing great. How are you doing today?
1: Not bad. Are you making the trip to Provo?
0: I am. Uh, heading up there bright and early tomorrow, or uh, even earlier than bright and early, I guess. Uh,
1: <laughs> heading
0: up that way. My first time in Utah, so really looking forward to it.
1: And you're landing in Salt Lake, right? Yes. Yeah. Landing yeah. at Salt Lake and staying
0: uh, staying stay close to Provo. So okay. Yeah. It's be, it's, be
1: it's a yeah it's a pretty drive over there. I I say that because the you know the, the Wasatch Mountains are right there, but when you land in Salt Lake, the airport is just slightly to the west of the city because the city's up against the you know the mountains there. And then as you go in, the really cool thing is you go in is you, the Great Salt Lake is right there and there's this enormous body of water. It looks like an ocean, and you got the you know the city on the other side. Uh, and then when you first start to drive. Uh, it's going to be a little kind of just houses industrial, but I think it's really pretty. I think you'll like Provo. It's a pretty place, and it's a wonderful, wonderful area. Uh, the stadium's beautiful, too. It's it's my favorite setting in college football that I've been at so far. My question to you is, can it be a trap game? I, I, you know, coming off the explosion against West Virginia, I really don't think so, but what do you think?
0: Yeah, you know,
1: I, I thought a
0: couple weeks ago that there's a good chance it was because of the – the way that the schedule fell and BYU's success at home, the uh, altitude, which is is certainly something to be considered. But, uh, you know, after the way that BYU has played over the last three weeks, uh, sort of it's hard to uh, come up with a path to the Cougars winning because their their defense has not been good at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, OU's offense, while it's had its issues at times over the last three weeks, has still been fairly productive numbers-wise.
1: Yeah, and especially last week, obviously, eight touchdowns for Dylan Gabriel. I expected a bounce back. I didn't expect an explosion. Was that anywhere in your mind?
0: Yeah, I think I'm I'm right there with you. I thought they'd play better. I thought they'd put up more points and be more efficient. But, uh, you know, you can't predict – a performance like what we saw at Dylan Gabriel, to break records that have been held by Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. And, yes, those are fairly recent records, but those are fairly those are very, very lofty standards that those two put up. And to, to get to account for eight touchdowns like he did, five through the air, three rushing, was just an incredible performance for him. And, uh, you know, on a night when he moves into the top ten uh, all-time in NCAA passing, uh, passing his uh, childhood hero Colt Brennan, mm-hmm. uh, just a, just a really special night for Dylan Gabriel for sure.
1: What can it mean going forward? Is that a one off? You know, is that one where you know, gosh, we'd like to play like that, but we can't, or is that really an indication of a team that's found itself offensively?
0: Well, I think it, it could be that if they can keep running the ball the way that they did with Gavin Sawchuk seeming to, to find his footing, he's finally healthy. And then, uh, you know, they, we didn't see much of Tommy Walker the other day, but he's proven himself when he's healthy that he can do it. If they're able to run the football the way that they did to play the way that they did up front, you know, I think for Dylan Gabriel, certainly it's sort of a one-off and, you know, it's hard to to replicate a performance like that, but, uh, he's been really good all year, and if they can uh, do the things that they did on the ground that helped open up a lot of that stuff for Drake Stoops, for Nick Anderson, and then have Austin Sogner involved the way that he was, then uh, I think that that's got a chance to be something that can, uh, can be a part of their offense
1: moving forward. Ryan Averis with us our OU Insider from the Daily Oklahoma at seven thirty eight here on the Blitz eleven seventy recording along with Bryce Hulse. Now I really thought, you know, that this was, as I said, gonna be a bounce back game. And I really thought things would go well. I really had not paid attention and this is my own fault for where Drake Stoops has been lately. I know how good the kid is. You and I have talked about that. I have great respect for him. I had no idea his his numbers lately in your opinion as a receiver is drake one of the more deserving guys in the nation
0: yeah i mean heck you you look at the the number of catches he's had over the last couple of weeks and you know it's hard you know his his uh yards per catch aren't uh, off the charts but the just the the sheer number of catches that he's gotten and and really needed to get in the flow of this offense with uh what they've done losing Andrell Anthony, but uh, you know, he, he can do things other than just you know, catch a, a, a five, eight-yard pass, as we saw with the uh, deep pass the other day, the long, career-long 60-yard uh, touchdown. I mean, he fought through for those last seven yards and uh, showed the toughness, the grit that we've uh, grown to expect uh, from, from Drake Stoops, but that was at another level, and he's been phenomenal this year. We knew coming in that he was one of the ones that uh, could be counted on among this receiver group. Him and Jalil Farouk, pretty much uh, the two guys that there that uh, were sort of the known commodities. But he's been off the charts this year. It's been incredible to see the growth from him, really steadily from year to year. But uh, this year, it's been an explosion. He's got a chance to have uh, the most catches uh, for the Sooners since uh, you know probably since Marquise Brown. Uh, and and that's uh, you know besting a lot of really good receivers uh, in that era.
1: All right. So yesterday, the Big Twelve air quotes clarified their whole you know tie break procedure. <laughs> yeah, the thing you right. See, you can't say that without laughing, can you? You really, literally, no, can't. no, because uh, you can't say you clarified
0: something that wasn't. Uh, you know, it was clear what it, what it meant before. Mm-hmm. They just. I, I don't know, forgot to put in that sentence on the tiebreaking procedures. You can say that, but, you know, don't, don't treat us like we're idiots. Exactly. We read the tiebreaker before, right. and it, there was, outside of the rogue comma, which, you know, we <laughs> looked past, it was clear what it meant, it was just, what it meant. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's the right decision, but certainly the way that it came about, not uh, not a good look for the Big 12 and does nothing to quiet any of the uh, OU fan uh, mm-hmm. conspiracy theories about uh, the Big 12 wanting to stick it to OU.
1: Well, and, you know, they really didn't do themselves any favor when Brett Yormark told Texas Tech, now I want you to go down and beat Texas on Thanksgiving, right? And, and look, I'm not making fun of that or anything. Yormark's that kind of guy. He's out there doing his thing. He can do that all day long. But that statement, and I know that's about Texas, but that statement will certainly make an OU fan feel that way. But, you know, it, it was kind of clear what it meant before, but, you know, the rule before said word for word, Head-to-head, head, best cumulative win percentage in games among the tied teams. If not, every te- if not comma, every tied team has played each other, comma, go to step two. But then yesterday when they quote-unquote clarified it, they kind of made it seem like they never said go to step two either. And that's the part that makes me just want to go over and kick the door down. I mean, come on, guys. You, did you really think that we, didn't, we, we can't read? And then they just walk away like nothing to see here. These aren't the droids you're looking for.
0: Yeah, it's just absurd. It is a, a Jedi mind trick that they're trying to pull because we all read it before. It's not like nobody was looking at this exactly. until yesterday when they uh, added that language. So I, I do think it's the right move mm-hmm. to have uh, head-to-head matter if one team has played the others because if OU and Kansas State had played each other, then uh, you know there would be no functional difference in the uh, – the tiebreaker because Oklahoma state would have won either way. Now I know there's an argument among OU fans that, Hey, Oklahoma state didn't have to play Texas. and OU did. And and if that happened, then you could, uh, you know, have a different result, but you know, that happens in, in a lot of conferences. And uh, I think head to head needs to be the, the first tiebreaker. And if that's available to you, then you take it, And, uh, you know, I I think certainly it makes sense, but uh, the way that they did it doesn't make sense. But that's a lot of what the Big 12 has done for a long time. (laughs) I mean, I think about the the one true champion, uh, you know, slogan uh, back before the uh, Big 12 championship game was re-implemented. When uh, you know they had the tie between uh, Baylor and and TCU and all the back and forth there, and uh, the ridiculousness of it, then now we just have a different version of that ridiculousness.
1: Yeah, we do. And then I got to tell you, I I know this is not going to be popular among locals, but I always love chaos. And what happens if Texas loses to Iowa State? And and look, it's possible. That it's not likely. But without Jonathan Brooks and with a just-coming-off-the-injury Quinn Ewers, who I think is a thoroughbred. I don't think he plays very well when he's got a hangnail. He's thinking when when he's healthy, I think he's great. When he's not healthy, even the smallest, I don't think he is. Iowa State were to win that game and throw it in complete chaos. Now, they beat Oklahoma State, so they own one of them. And you could really talk about something you'd have to start having your head spin.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's got a chance to be wild mm-hmm. in in the league over these last couple of weeks. You know, with so the games that Texas has, with obviously OU and Oklahoma State finish being, uh, you know, you would think that they'd be able to uh, win their next two games. But mm-hmm. If there's a tie there, then we go uh, we we can go way down that list of tiebreakers uh, without getting to one that's going to break it. So it's going to be be a wild ride for sure, especially if Texas loses. So, uh, and, and they can, I mean, heck you look at Iowa state's offense, what they put up against BYU last week. Uh, they've, they've got a, you know, a a team that's capable of uh, pulling something off like that. They've had success against Texas at times recently. So, uh, you know, it'll be,
1: be fun to watch. Mm, It certainly will. Just a couple of minutes here with Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman. He is our OU insider. We're going to ask what he's writing in a couple of minutes. First of all, Bryce has a hoops question.
0: Ryan, Milo Suzanne was one of the players going into this season that I was really looking forward to see uh, in terms of making strides from year one to year two, but Javon McCollum has really burst onto the scene, the transfer from Siena. What was your expectation of him going into this season, and has he surprised you at all? Yeah certainly wasn't sure exactly you know what to expect from some of those guys that are you know transferring from a, a little bit of a lower level. You never know exactly how that's going to uh, translate, but he's been fantastic for them so far, and they really needed that boost uh, the, uh, of, of energy that he's given of production that he's given, and, and that offense has been uh, really good. Uh, To this point, you know, they've been they played fairly slow for uh, the last couple of years in uh, Porter Moser system. But uh, to this point, they've been uh, a a much better, uh, more efficient, productive team on that end of the floor. And, uh, you know, looking like they've got a chance to uh, sustain that a little bit with what they've done, especially with what uh, McCollum's done over. You know, the game against Central Michigan, the one against uh, Texas State, didn't need his production uh, nearly as much against Mississippi Valley State. But, uh, you know, I think it's something that certainly can be sustained for him when you talk about that production,
1: especially down low. So when you look at him early, it's good. But, you know, you beat Texas State the way you're supposed to, which is a good thing, right? And that's one of the things they hadn't done in the past. Where do you think they go from here? How good can they be?
0: Well, I think they've certainly got a chance to to be good, and they've got to make some – you know, make some improvements as the the season goes on. Their schedule is obviously going to get a lot tougher, but uh, encouraging signs early, I think, especially with that that offensive tempo. I think the way that they're uh, sort of pressing the issue uh, defensively and trying to to make some things happen, I think, uh, to me, the most encouraging thing is the way that they've been able to get to the free throw line through the early part. And Porter Moser's talked about, wanting to really make that a point of emphasis with the new rules to attack the basket, get to the free throw line and and take advantage there. And uh, I think we're going to find out a lot more about this team uh, next week as they go to San Diego, when they take on an Iowa team, we know what Iowa can be uh, when they're at their best and then potentially a matchup against USC And, uh, you know, they're, they're obviously a a dangerous team as well. They've got some interesting games coming up with Providence, with Arkansas. So this team's going to get challenged more, but I think uh, that they've got a chance to be a much improved team. And, uh, you know, is that enough to make the NCAA tournament? We'll, we'll see, but uh, I think it's certainly enough to, uh, you know, be in that mix.
1: Yeah. What are you writing for the Oklahoma today?
0: Yeah, one of the, the things I'm writing today is about uh, Dylan Gabriel and his history with BYU. He played BYU in uh, at, at uh, UCF uh, in a bowl game, the Boca Raton Bowl. But also his dad uh, beat BYU a couple of times as a quarterback for Hawaii, including uh, beat BYU on the day that Ty Detmer won the Heisman Trophy. So uh, looking back at that, there's a couple of guys – on this team with some history with BYU, not only, uh, Dylan Gabriel, but also, uh, Jonah Lau Lou had played BYU a couple of times. He actually grew up a Mormon, uh, and then, uh, 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 Walter Rouse played against BYU last year as an offensive lineman for Stanford. So, uh, looking at that, uh, and then also working toward, uh, next week, OU's, uh, final, uh, big 12 matchup, uh, picking the, uh, all Big 12 team for the Sooners uh, during the, the Big 12 era, which has uh, got some interesting decisions on it uh, to make and uh, starting to look at the, uh, you know, the, the overall body of work for the Sooners in the
1: Big 12. Outstanding. Well, and you make it to Provo. If you're a breakfast guy, try a place called True Religion. It's been a long time, but uh, if it's still there, True Religion and it's a breakfast brunch and believe me, it'll blow you out of the water.
0: All right, I will uh, try to do that. That might have to be a Sunday morning thing because (laughs) Saturday morning is going to be an early one in Provo. It's going to be really strange to have Mm -hmm. a 10 a.m. kick. I've been a part of one. I covered that uh, 2001 Cotton Bowl between Oklahoma and Arkansas to kick off at 10 a.m., but uh, this one is going to be be a little bit strange, but it'll also be nice to be done with work, uh, you know, hopefully maybe while the sun's still out.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was part of a 10 a.m. at the Humanitarian Bowl, Tulsa and Boise, and had to leave the stadium at 0-dark-30, and it was snowing outside. So, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Well, travel safe. Have a good time. It's a beautiful place, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Ryan.
0: Sounds great. I always look forward to it. Thank you all, and have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.